Well, good evening. How's everyone doing? Good. Can you guys hear me okay? All right, awesome. Well, feel free to be seated. For those of you guys that do not know me, my name is James. I am the pastor at the newly founded Calvary Chapel McKinney in McKinney, Texas. So I don't know how many, yeah, I don't know how many of you guys were here back in the, in the fall. It was back in September on a Sunday morning. I came out here with my loud Hawaiian shirt on, right? Okay, uh, straight from California, straight from the airport. And uh, we were here just to tell everyone, that's it, Paul, how you doing, brother? And so we were here just to say, man, the Lord's doing something. I was the assistant pastor at Calvary Chapel Pomona Valley for five years. Um, in California, and the Lord just stirred in our hearts. My wife, Jen, and I, and our boys, I mean, my, our boys had no say, come on, let's be real, but my wife and I stirred in our hearts and said, man, it's time to do something new, a new work. And I don't know about you guys, but when you're doing a work that you enjoy and you're comfortable and you're good with, new works don't sound like a lot of fun, right? <laughs> like, amen, yeah? But I'll tell you, the blessing is in the new work. We just sang the new wine, right? That new wine, there's a crushing involved in that new wine. But man, what a blessing when it's the Lord doing the crushing, when it's the Lord saying, man, something beautiful is going to come out of this. Amen? Amen. So with that said, it's funny. I was having lunch with Pastor John a couple weeks ago. He goes, man, you kind of told everyone you're coming out here back in September. We never really had you back to tell them, hey, you actually did it. You're not a liar. I'm like, hey, that's cool. No, the Lord is not a liar. That's what that comes down to because we made it. We're alive. And so he's like, hey, come out and give an update. And so for me, I didn't want to just sit here and tell you updates about me. We're going to teach the word tonight, verse by verse. Amen? And we're going to infuse some updates in there. So if you can, turn to the Old Testament. We're going to be in the minor prophet Haggai. So that's in between the two Z books, right? Zechariah, Zephaniah, it's a quick little page turn probably in your Bible. But uh, that's where we're going to be tonight. And so, again, it's, it's funny. The things that, that have happened between September to now, when we came out and we said, yeah, the Lord's doing something, we feel like we're being called back to Texas. Okay, let me give you this heads up. <laughs> this was my home church in 2011. My wife and I lived in Flower Mound off of, is it Long Prairie, I think it's called, or some other number, I don't know. But um, it's funny, Long Prairie, we lived there for a year. And for, we loved it here. This was our home church, and then the Lord called us back to California. And so we went back there. We started our family. It's so funny because then you get plugged into ministry and you're like, this is it. This is where I'm going to be for the next 30 years. I see myself doing this the rest of my life. It's going to be great. And then right around that time is when the Lord said, okay, this is cool. Like time to, for you to stop trusting in yourself and your comforts and the things that you're like gotten used to. It's time to go. And so we're like, okay, cool. Well, we've now lived in California and Texas. It's going to be like one of the other 48 states then, right? And it's like, no, McKinney, Texas. We're like, we've already been there though, kind of. That's bizarre, right? And so... The whole time, not knowing what the Lord was doing, but just trusting him. And we had no, no home to come to. <laughs> we didn't know, like, I scheduled my pods. I felt like the Lord woke me up in November. Okay, no audible voice or anything, but just that, that movement that said, you got to schedule the pods to pick up your stuff and take it to Texas. This was in November of last year. And so I scheduled the pods, and the lady says, what address are we taking to? And I said, I have no idea. And she's like, okay, can you give me, like, a zip code? I'm like, yeah, 75071, McKinney, Texas. Let's go there. And so that was November. And Jen comes home. My wife comes home from the market. I'm like, hey, I booked the pod. She's like, oh, okay. <laughs> That's how I knew this was the peace of the Lord, right? She, didn't, she was like, cool, let's go. Let's get in the pod. Let's go. And so then the pods are scheduled for January 31st. And we're like, all right, well, we're going. Like, got to wrap up things at the church. And this was with the blessing of my pastor, Joe Tata, who's also one of my best friends. Like, total blessing. The body felt like this was the Lord. And come like middle of, uh, probably towards the end of December, 
we still have no place to live. And I don't know if you've heard about the housing market out here, right? We're trying to rent, and it was nuts, right? People are like, dude, they're coming up. Like, they're getting rented before they even go on, like, Facebook or any kind of site anywhere. So, like, how are we going to do this? And the, a couple days before New Year's, a friend of a friend says, hey, some worship leader at a Calvary Chapel in Frisco just bought a rental property. Are you interested in moving to McKinney? And I said, I am, but I'm not getting there until February 1st. He said, it's available February 1st. And I said, that's crazy, right? Yeah, like, praise the Lord, right? So it was like, so now I'm going to have a home owned by a worship leader of a Calvary Chapel who's comfortable with me planting a home church in his property in the city of McKinney. And it was in the zip code that I gave the pod people. That's crazy, right? McKinney has four zip codes. I just randomly picked one. 25% shot, but that's pretty good. So I give you all that as like the personal update of thank you so much for praying. I know when I was here, that was one of the prayer requests. I was like, hey, I don't know what I'm going to do for a living. <laughs> I don't know where we're going to live. All I know is that we're coming here and we're going to teach the word of God. And I don't know why, but that's why. <laughs> we're going to go. And so here we are. That's that general update. If you're at Haggai 1, say I'm there. All right, awesome. And tonight, the reason I picked Haggai, I feel like the Lord laid this book on my heart because when John said, hey, give them an update about what's going on, I wanted to talk about in the Bible when we saw the Lord's faithfulness to use people that honestly sometimes were discouraged. They faced difficulty. They faced opposition. But when they remembered that the Lord was with them, great work came out of that. Kingdom work came out of that. And so let's look at Haggai chapter 1, verse 1. It says, in the second year of King Darius, in the sixth month, on the first day of the month, the word of the Lord came by Haggai, the prophet, to Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, saying, and we're going to pause it there. We don't want to get into his word yet, because that's a lot of info if you don't know anything about this book. You're like, there's three, four names in here. There's a king I've never heard of, right? So here's the thing. We have the second year of King Darius in the sixth month of the first day of the month. And you say, well, I've never heard King Darius being a king of the Jews or a king of Israel or Judah. He's not. He's a Medo-Persian king. And the reason it's being measured by Medo-Persian kings is because this is after the Babylonian captivity of the Jews. The Jews have gone into 70 years of captivity because of their sin, the consequence of their sin. If you remember Jeremiah 29.10, the Lord had told the people that after 70 years are completed at Babylon, you will return to this place, and I will give you peace in that place, right? But he said, that's after 70 years. You're going to pay that price for all of those years you disobeyed my word, all those years that you thought you could cheat the land of the Sabbath every, every seventh year, right? They did that for, what, 490 years, and the Lord took note? He said, there's one. There's one year you owe me out of the land. There's two. There's three. There's four. And the Lord always gets, like, just, right? It's justice. But in his mercy and grace, he said, but after you've done that and you've realized that you should have listened to my word, I'm going to bring you back into the land. Amen. That's the mercy and grace of the Lord. Though we mess up, the Lord says, I have something for you if you, t if you come back to me. And so we have a king that shouldn't be the king over the Jews. But the fact is, they submitted to the things of the world. And now they have a king of the world over them. And so it tells us specifically that we're looking at a date here. And the date is actually, I want to give you the exact date. 520 B.C. And so we know that because this king reigned from 521 to 486 B.C. And it's his second year in reign. And so we keep that in mind. Talking about 520. They went into Babylonian captivity at, let's call it 606, when they went under tribute. 
Then there was a captivity. They took a bunch of people in 596, and then 586, they came and destroyed the temple, Nebuchadnezzar. Anyone remember that from Scripture, right? That king that was there, he was a puppet king. It was Zedekiah. He was set up by Babylon and said, yeah, you guys can have a king, and Zedekiah rebelled. And so they destroyed the temple. And they took everyone, pretty much everyone, into Babylonian captivity. Well, then the Babylonians got overtaken by the Medo-Persians, and that's how this king is here overseeing the people. Does that make sense? I promise this isn't history class tonight. That's like the most dates in history. I'm not really a history guy, but you got to know it, right? Because otherwise you're like, hey, when's Jesus going to show up here? You're like, no, 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 no. We're 500 years before Jesus coming here, and we're about 500 years after David. Does that make sense? So just so we have an idea, and it's written, it says here that this is a word for Zerubbabel and Joshua. Joshua was the high priest, and Zerubbabel was the governor. We could call him, essentially, he was the guy which should have been king had they stayed in the land. He was of David's lineage, right? His grandfather was Jehoiakim, right? So we have these two guys, and you have the spiritual side and the civic side, like the governor and the religious leader. And Haggai comes with the word of the Lord and says, hey, I have a word for you. Okay, that's where we're at. Make sense? Cool. Verse 2. I promise we're going to go faster than that. But verse 2. Thus speaks the Lord of hosts, saying, The people says, The time has not come, the time that the Lord's house should be built. And see, this is big. Because what this means is that the people got this decree from King Cyrus in 538. Okay? They were in the land for 70 years in Babylonian captivity. 538, he says, hey, you guys can go back and start worshiping to your Lord. That's insane, first of all, that a foreign king would say, you guys can go ahead and go back to the land of Israel. Like, does that not prove that Israel is something important to the Lord, right? That's crazy. And then they take two years to really get there. This remnant comes in, 42,000 Jews. They start building in 536. And they're building away. They're working away. But then if you read the book of Ezra, you find out opposition came. The Samaritans that were there say, hey, we want to get involved with this. We don't, you know, and there was this battle between them. They start fighting. And then there's drought that's happening, right? There's different things that keep occurring. And at 530, I'm sorry, 534, 534, they stopped working. They just stall out. Solid two years. They worked hard for the Lord. They came back to the land. They're like, we're going to do this. And the Lord says, I see your hearts and I know why you're not working. You say that the time is not now to build the house of the Lord. So you don't want to be anti-spiritual and say, we don't want to serve the house of God. So let's make excuses for why we're not going to serve in the house of God. Let's say it's not time to serve in the house of God. Convenience, right? I don't know about you guys, but I'll do it when it's easy, <laughs> right? That's what these guys are thinking. There's opposition here. Maybe if we wait a while, and it's funny because prophecy said, again, Jeremiah 29.10 said 70 years you'll be in Babylon in captivity. So what they started to do was, well, hey, really, although we went under tribute in 606, we didn't come into the land until 586, so we still got time, right? We can start in 516. <laughs> and they're putting off the things of God. They're saying it's not time right now. And the reason, this is one of the verses that it popped in my mind when, John, when Pastor John said, hey, come and teach the body about what the Lord's been doing. The biggest thing that people say to me is, man, I'll tell you this much. I don't know what the Lord's doing, you guys. It's awesome to see, but the fact that you and your wife and your children packed up a pod not knowing where you were going, and you just went because the Lord told you to go. And trust me, I know it was insane. I think the same thing. I'm like, this is crazy, right? I'm a marketing administrative guy. I'm like, I have nothing on paper and planned. <laughs> this is uncomfortable for me. And then to see the Lord open the doors and do it, and I go, man, 
Here's the thing. We have families that want to come plant with us now that are coming out from California. Praise the Lord for that. Blessed families. We love them. They visited multiple times. They've come out three times now with the plan of getting a house to rent, and they just can't. The market's insane. I think about, had I sat on my hands a little longer, and this isn't glory to me. I think the Lord, I mean, we couldn't, it was like, man, I got to go or I'm going to die. That's what it felt like, right? Like Jeremiah, right? Like this is in my bones. It's on fire. I got to go. And I look at it now and go, man, had we waited, who knows if we, if we wind up, I mean, the Lord's good, amen? amen? But the fact that when we move and answer the call of the Lord and the timing that he gives us, let me be clear, I'm not the hero here because I've failed so many times. This is years of failed experience telling you, hey, when I actually did what the Lord told me, it worked out. Who would have figured, <laughs> right? And so I encourage you that whatever the Lord is laying on your heart to build the house of the Lord, it may not be to plant a Calvary Chapel. It may be something like serving in children's ministry. It may be just attending church. This is a crazy season, right? People are uncomfortable coming inside a church these days. So it's very comfortable for people to say, look, it, this is not the time to go to the house of the Lord. When is it going to be time? When are they going to lift the things that make us feel comfortable enough to go to these things? The reality is, the time is short. And the Lord has something for us to do in fellowship with the body. Amen? Amen. Acts 2.42. These are the things we do here. And one of those things is fellowship. And so it might be as simple as getting here on a Sunday morning and a Wednesday night. But then you're here and you say, man, the Lord's tugging at my heart to serve in a ministry. Get involved. And I, I promise you, John did not bribe me to tell you guys to get involved with anything. That sounds, but I'm just telling you, I'm sure every one of you might be involved in something here in this room. What about your families? Those, those that are lost around you, have you said, man, I just, it's just not comfortable right now to talk to my brother, to talk to my sister, to my mother-in-law, my father-in-law. It's uncomfortable. I'll tell you tonight, time is short. Do it tonight, Amen. And so look at verse 3 through 6. It says, Then the word of the Lord came by Haggai the prophet, saying, Is it time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses and this temple to lie in ruins? Now therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. You have sown much and bring in little. You eat, but you do not have enough. You drink, but you are not filled with drink. You clothe yourselves, but no one is warm. And he who earns wages, earns wages to put into a bag with holes. You ever been there? <laughs> oh, man, that's frustrating, huh? You're like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it. When I get that next stimulus check, that's going to solve everything, man. When I get that next bonus at work, when I get this sale, everything's going to be good. And it's like, is my bank account broken? Is there something like that Wells Fargo owes me maybe? I don't know. Like, what's the story here? But... It's incredible because what's happening here is in verse 2, that word came to the leaders, right? Zerubbabel, Joshua, the people are saying in their heart, it's not time. You guys are the leaders. You need to go tell them it is time, right? And what is it time for? It's time to walk in those good works that the Lord has prepared, right? Ephesians 2.10. Everyone has good works that God has prepared before you. And when you come to the Lord, you walk in those things. And when you're not walking in those things... You're not living to your life's fulfillment, to the purpose, to that thing that glorifies God and edifies the body and will bless you. And the Lord says, man, out of love, walk in these things. And so now it's Zerubbabel, Joshua, you know what to do. Go tell the people to do this, but I'm going to address the people now. And the problem with the people is that what they're doing is they have, it says they dwell in paneled houses while this temple lies in ruins. This is funny to me. 
Who watches Fixer Upper? Anyone watch Fixer Upper in here, right? Shiplap, you guys know about Shiplap, right? Decorative wood to go up on the wall. It's like, that's a bonus thing. You don't get that when you move into a studio apartment, right? You're like, this is awesome. We need to add Shiplap to the walls. It'll be very fancy and nice. The literal Greek word here, it's not Shiplap, but it's decorative wood. In other words, they had houses. Now they're doing upgrades on their houses. They said, it's not time to serve the Lord, but let's fix her up, man. Let's, let's get it going, right? Let's call Joanna Gaines. Let's get this thing working, right? And so uh, this is partially why I'm in Texas. I think my wife was like, we've got to go there. Look at, look at the, what the Gaines are doing, right? I'm like, that's not real life, though, right? We're in ministry. No. Um, but really, it's so funny how simple these distractions are, how easily these distractions come into our lives. Let me be clear, there's nothing wrong with shiplap. That's not my hashtag tonight, okay? It's not that, hey, we need to destroy shiplap. It's get your priorities right before we start, start working on shiplap. <laughs> before we start putting up decorative wood, is the Lord's house in ruins? And see, this is what it's about. Where is my heart? Jesus says, right, in Luke 11, or Luke, I believe it's Luke 11, he says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The fact that you have paneled houses, <laughs> well, and remember, we're not just talking about like the church is run down. It's destroyed. It's in ruins. And they worked on it for a little bit and gave up and said, we don't have time for this, but we do have time to build all of our things. This is about building our own kingdoms. This is about building our own things instead of building the Lord stuff. Amen? Amen. And I don't know if you guys have been there. Amen. I've been there. <laughs> and when you're doing it, you go, man, all right, so I took out the, the loan to do this thing. But now it turns out when I pulled that off, I got plumbing issues. <laughs> now there's new bills. Now i got to work on this thing. Oh, there's more stuff. i got to take another one. This is like the cycle that's being talked about here. You think that when you do this, you'll be fulfilled. But then there's another issue. You try to eat stuff, and you think, okay, we're going to go out and eat and be merry. And then you eat it, and you're like, okay, that really didn't really fulfill, right? All right, they're drinking, and it's not doing anything for them. <laughs> The clothes that they're buying, they just don't seem to be satisfied. And I don't know if there's any other message for this culture than, man, the things of this world will never satisfy you. And especially as believers. I was sharing with someone the other day, as a new believer when I came to the Lord, the hardest thing to do was to go sin. <laughs> Not that I didn't do it. It, was, it wasn't as fun anymore. It didn't satisfy. And it hurt my relationship with the Lord, right? So it was like, I can't go to church very well when I'm living in sin, and I can't even sin the way I used to sin. This is miserable. <laughs> what I should do is just submit to the Lord. And then, I don't have to worry about that. I just worry about the Lord, and everything's going to run smoothly in that sense. Not perfect. I'm talking about joy, not happiness. Amen? Amen? Doesn't mean there's not trial. Jesus promised trial and tribulation in John 16, 33. He said, in this world, you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer, because I've overcome the world. Not me, Jesus has. And when I trust in Jesus, I trust in his plan. Though tribulation comes, I'm going to have peace and joy in him. Amen. Amen. And see, as these guys are going through this, they're going, man, nothing's satisfying. Nothing is working. And it's this harsh rebuke to the people. It reminds me of Matthew 6, 33. It says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these other things will be added unto you. See, they were seeking first their kingdom, and nothing was being added. <laughs> you seek first his kingdom, the things that do belong to the Lord and are of the Lord, will be added to your life and you'll be blessed in that. And so as it goes on, I love it because the Lord doesn't just rebuke people. The Lord rebukes, but then he gives opportunity to repent. Amen? Look at verse 7 through 11. It says, Thus says the Lord of hosts, Consider your ways. Go up to the mountains and bring wood and build the temple that I may take pleasure in it and be glorified, says the Lord. 
You looked for much, but indeed it came to little. And when you brought it home, I blew it away. Why, says the Lord of hosts? Because of my house that is in ruins. Well, every one of you runs to his own house. Therefore, the heavens above you withhold the dew, the earth withholds its fruit. For I called for a drought on the land and the mountains, on the grain and the new wine and the oil, on whatever the ground brings forth, on men and livestock and on all the labor of your hands. So the Lord says, hey, you know why you're suffering all this stuff? Because I'm allowing it to happen. That you might turn back to me. That your hearts would realize that, man, this is just going to lead to destruction. I don't know how many, everyone has a different testimony. But for some people, the testimony is, man, I almost destroyed myself. And if only I had observed the word of the Lord earlier, I would have experienced blessing earlier. But praise the Lord for his mercy to allow me to repent. Amen? That's my testimony. Almost destroyed my life. <laughs> and then I came to the Lord and said, man, thank you, Jesus, for your willingness to accept me. And what he says here, he says, here's the remedy. Go get busy about my kingdom. <laughs> go build. And I think it's interesting. He tells them to go to the mountains to get wood. There was tons of wood in the land originally, but guess what they did with it? They made shiplap. <laughs> now they made their life harder. <laughs> go to the mountains and get wood because you used it all on silly things. You wasted it all. I just think it's so funny, right? It's like, this is so life. I wasted all my money thinking this was going to satisfy. And then I submit to the Lord. And it's like, how's this working out? How is this possibly making any sense? Again, marketing admin guy. And I'm like, Wells Fargo must be making issues in my account. There's no way I have money left. I'm not doing anything damaging, but somehow the Lord's multiplying things. And it's like, not to be rich. I ain't flying to space like, you know, Musk or anything. But I am like, oh, dude, we got by again. Praise the Lord. We worked hard. We went out and did the things the Lord called us to. But man, on paper, can you really explain the goodness of God? You just can't, right? The world doesn't understand that until they submit to the Lord Jesus. If tonight you have no idea what I'm talking about, you need to submit to the Lord Jesus tonight. <laughs> Like, that's the reality of it. And it's not for financial success. This isn't Financial Peace University. This is Jesus Peace University. He brings you the peace. <laughs> he gives you what you need. And in all things, he adds to you the things that you need to do the things for his kingdom. You guys remember Elijah in 1 Kings 17, I believe it was, where the Lord says, hey, go tell, there's a, go tell Ahab there's going to be a drought. Go serve my kingdom. He goes and does it. He says, hey, now you've got to go run out and hide by a stream because they're going to want to kill you for this. <laughs> And he says, essentially, like, well, okay, well, I guess I'll go. He says, I'll provide for you. I'm going to have ravens bring food in their beaks, and the river will give you water. And then after that, go trust a widow, a Gentile widow, and I'll provide through that. Like, this is how the Lord works, right? In ways that we never thought he would, but he does because he's faithful. And so I don't know where you're at tonight, and you say, Lord, where are you? I, you're calling me to this thing. How are you going to do this? He will do it if it's of him. I promise you, because I've seen it time and time and time again. It replicates for those who trust in the Lord. Amen. And so in verse 7, he says, Go and do work, right? Go get the wood, build the temple, that I may take pleasure and be glorified. The thing that glorifies God, the reason we are created is to serve the Lord. When you go do my kingdom stuff, you'll be blessed, I'll be glorified, the body will be edified, and everyone will be testified to so go get busy about that. That's how you can fix this situation. Do the things I called you to do. Walk in the works that I prepared beforehand for you. And again, he explains, verse 9 through, through 11, that their disobedience brought on the storms. It's not because God's mean. We understand that, right? It's not, like so many people will be like, look at God of the Old Testament. He's so mean. He's always ready to throw like lightning bolts at people or something. It's like, no, he laid out perfectly 
what they should do. Remember Deuteronomy 28. It said that if you do the things of the Lord, you'll be blessed. If you don't do the things of the Lord, it's plain and simple. You're not going to be blessed. You'll actually be cursed until you submit to the ways of the Lord. And I'll tell you, consequences of sin don't just go away overnight when we come to the Lord in the sense of the old things we did. But man, the sooner we come to the Lord, the sooner we save ourselves consequences. And it's a blessing that the Lord allows us to return to him. And see, this is what this section is about. He says, look, at, I did this. I brought the drought on. I brought the drought so that you wouldn't have wine. I brought the drought so that you wouldn't have grain, so that you wouldn't have any of the things that you know you need to go continue putting shiplap in your house. <laughs> I held it back so that you could stop and say, why is this happening? So then you would reflect and say, I haven't been serving the Lord the way I said I would when we came back to this place. So you remember, they came back to the land to serve the Lord, and two years after, they started building their own houses. Is that not us? I don't know about you. That's me. <laughs> I'm really hot about things. Like, I burn really hot, and then I burn really cold sometimes. I'm like, this is the best thing ever. And then, like, two years in, I'm like, all right, new thing, Lord. Let's go. And praise the Lord, I believe in maturity. Most believers can say this, right? As you mature in the Lord, you start to realize, man, that's, that's a fool's game, right? <laughs> start changing things every couple years just because you want change. You wait on the Lord, but when he brings these things and calls you to him, you're best served to just begin obeying him as soon as possible. Amen? Because blessing is in those things. And so in this, we see the response of the people. Look at verse 12. So it goes from a rebuke to a response. Verse 12, it says, Then Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, and Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, with all the remnant of the people, obeyed the voice of the Lord their God. And the words of Haggai the prophet, as the Lord their God had sent him, and the people feared the presence of the Lord. I don't know if you guys understand how huge this verse is. <laughs> Think of how many times in the Bible a prophet was sent to the people of Israel, and they rejected them. They said, no, we don't, we don't receive that. Kill him. <laughs> Put him in jail. Cut him in half. These are usually the responses. Haggai shows up, and he says, look at this is what we have to do. We have to go back to building the house of the Lord. And they actually responded with obedience. Hallelujah, right? <laughs> Man, I'm so happy when I can look back on my life and go, I can't believe I actually obeyed the Lord that time. You know, like more often than not, I was a knucklehead. And then it takes time and I go, go to obedience after I've failed. These guys, they're like, you know what? We're convicted. And they run towards conviction and they answer with obedience. See, the worst thing we can do with conviction when the Holy Spirit convicts our heart is treat it as condemnation. Run away from it and say, ooh, God hates me. God's mad at me. The Holy Spirit comes to convict to draw us into the Lord. And when we answer it, we're going to be blessed for it. And see what happens here. They say, yeah, let's do it. They obeyed the voice of the Lord. And why did they obey the voice of the Lord? It says because they feared the presence of the Lord. For a while, it seems like they forgot they were in the land of the Lord. For a while, they kind of just said, look, we're not really worried about what God has. We're worried about our kingdom, our things. And now the word comes and says, man, you need to reprioritize. <laughs> it's time to get back to the house of the Lord. And I'll be honest with you, this has been a, a, a season, again, I've alluded to it earlier, but it's a season where I feel like a lot of people, myself included at times, have gotten very comfortable with like, dude, I can do this stuff away from being at the church. It's not quite, and I, forgive me, I'm not trying to, split aisles here, but here's the deal. And this, it plays into my head even tonight. Is it really safe for me to be serving in certain ministries? I have older parents 
that are uncomfortable serving in children's ministry right now. They're like, dude, I don't want to get sick. I'm like, I feel that. But still, come to church. <laughs> Show up. Seek the Lord. You let the Lord lead you. And I'm not going to tell you where to serve, but the Lord will lead you, whether it's your neighbor next door, whether it's someone at the grocery store. I mean, you'd be amazed. People right now are dying for interaction. People are starved for fellowship. They don't even know it. And when they get it, it's a blessing, right? What a great opportunity to take the gospel in these times where people are absolutely scared, absolutely fearful, absolutely confused. We have peace and truth in the word of God. Amen? Amen. So find the place where you, the Lord would say, hey, go out and build my house. It may look like just as simple as spreading the gospel. Amen? Amen. And so as I do this, look at 13 through 15. It says, then Haggai, the Lord's messenger, spoke the Lord's message to the people saying, I am with you, says the Lord. So the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and the spirit of all the remnant of the people. And they came and worked on the house of the Lord of hosts, their God, on the 24th day of the sixth month in the second year of King Darius. And so what we have here is the second exhortation from the Lord. And he tells them, I am with you. Is there any better message to get from the Lord than to know that the Lord is here with us? We sang about it in worship tonight. Like, we want the Holy Spirit to be here, right? We sang about it just thinking like, Lord, we want to be in your presence. We want to exalt you. We want you to receive that. And think about Zerubbabel. Many people know this verse, but they, forget, they don't know the first part of it. It's Zechariah 4, 6, right? It says, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord, a host, right? But the beginning of that verse says, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. That was a verse the Lord prophesied parallel to this prophecy that said, Zerubbabel, you need to go and trust in my spirit, not your power, not your might, and go work on the house. Go build the house of the Lord. It's a very famous verse, and it's a verse that we use at Calvary Chapel McKinney for everything we do. Is this of us or is it of the Lord? Is it my strength or is it his leading, right? That can be tough sometimes to split that because I think if you have good intention, Sometimes you can get those two things confused. But it's funny, the Lord's good to make clear what's accidental good intention and what's of Him. He blesses and brings peace to the things that are of Him. Amen? Amen. And see, in this case, He reminds Rubel, remember, I spoke my word to you. I said that my spirit is willing, that the spirit of the living God is willing to do this work if you submit to the spirit. And man, what a blessing when you get that word that says, hey, we're here. Like, Let's go. Let's do this thing. And you have the remnant of people. You have 42,000 other Jews that came from Babylon with intention to build the, the house. And you have Joshua, the high priest here, ready to serve in the temple. It's just a matter of doing the work. It goes beyond just prayer at this point, right? I don't know if you guys have been here, but for me, I prayed for a year and a half about, Lord, are we really going to Texas, right? I could still be in California enjoying my life praying right now. And it would look super holy, <laughs> Oh, I'm praying. I'm praying about what the Lord's going to do. I'm praying, I'm praying, I'm praying. 30 years later, I'm still praying, right? These guys said, we're done praying. The Lord says, it's time to work. I'm not saying don't pray while you work, but it's time to work while you pray. <laughs> Get after it. Do something and know that I'm with you. And see, it's interesting because it says that this came and they began working on the house on the 24th day of the sixth month. It took 23 days to start actually working on the house. And I believe that gap is purely because they had to go to the mountains and get all the stuff. <laughs> You know, they don't have like trains and cars and stuff, right? It's, it's going to take a little while to go get the supplies they need. But they went up and they're probably getting tired. 
Like, dude, we've been kind of grinding for 23 days. And the Lord says, hey, I'm with you. I see that you're tired. I see that you're exhausted. Don't forget that I'm with you. Do it by my spirit, amen? amen. And see, that's a message tonight. I don't know about you guys, for me, man, we're six, six months into doing church. It's at our house. I'm the worship leader. I'm the pastor. I'm the social media guy. I'm one of the board members that, that's involved. We have three other board members to keep me out of trouble, right? Okay. And then my wife does children's ministry, hospitality. And it's like, there's a reality that some nights we're like, okay, are we here? Are we good? Are we ready to go? Okay, I'm exhausted. Lord, give us strength. And then we have the most blessed Sunday. <laughs> but let's be real. Ministry is not always easy. And even in large churches, I think more things get added. Again, I was the assistant pastor at a larger Calvary Chapel in California. And you had so many moving parts on a Sunday morning. It was very easy to start to say, man, this is hard. I don't want to do this anymore. And then you seek the Lord and go, man, I was made for this, though. But I need your spirit. I need your power. I need that dunamis power of the Holy Spirit to fill me, to overflow out of me, to do your work. Amen? Amen. And if we don't have that, we're going to be in big trouble. <laughs> but when the Lord calls you to it, he's willing to give you his spirit just like Zerubbabel. And so we're not going to do all of chapter 2. I know you're like, dude, you're still going. But look, at, we're going to look at verse 1 through 9. Let's start with verse 1 through 5. It says, in the seventh month, on the 21st day of the month, the word of the Lord came by Haggai the prophet, saying, Speak now to Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and to the remnant of the people, saying, Who is left among you who saw this temple in its former glory? And how do you see it now? In comparison with it, is this not in your eyes as nothing? Yet now be strong, Zerubbabel, says the Lord, and be strong, Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and be strong, all you people of the land, says the Lord, and work, for I am with you, says the Lord of hosts, according to the word that I covenanted with you when you came out of Egypt, so my spirit remains among you. Do not fear. What a good word, right? The Lord says, here we are in the seventh month, 21st day, so it's been almost a month since the last word came, and what is it? It's just a reminder that the Lord's with them. The Lord says, hey, I'm here. Be strong. Do work. Don't fear. I mean, if those aren't the three basic things that become problematic in the life of the believer, we start to get weak because we take our mind off the Lord. Right? I think it's Isaiah 26.3. It says, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Right? But we take our mind off the Lord, we get ourselves in trouble. 2 Timothy 1.7 says, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. But you lose the sound mind, you forget his love, you lose the power. Starts the mind. <laughs> then it's like, well, go do the work that the Lord has put on your mind and your heart. Go do that in the power of his spirit. And when he's with you, you don't have to be afraid because we've seen his faithfulness in the past time and time again. Amen. Amen. And see, that's what he tells him here. He says, look it. You guys are here, and remember, this, this date puts us in like October of 520, and the Feast of Tabernacles happening. So they're like, man, this is a good feast. We're back in the land. We're celebrating. We're right with the Lord again. He's speaking to us again. That's a good thing, right, when you start to hear the voice of the Lord again. We're having communion with the Lord. But they're like, and that said, we're, we're kind of tired, though. Again, you can just, you just feel it, because the Lord's never going to say anything that he doesn't need to say in that sense. I hope that makes sense. When you're tired, you need to hear that the Lord is with you and will give you strength. When you're feeling strong, the Lord's telling you, hey, don't get proud, dude. Like, chill out, right? It's, this, is a, this is a word to a tired people, to a people that forgot that the Lord was with them. 
and they're getting discouraged. And it's crazy because he says, hey, look at the foundation of this temple. It's pretty small, huh? It's pretty meager. It's pretty, it's compared to Solomon's temple that was destroyed by the Babylonians. This is kind of sad. <laughs> and it's interesting because I believe it's in Ezra, let me find the reference. It's Ezra 3, I believe it's verse uh, 12 through 13. The older men in the crowd that had seen Solomon's temple, the one that's in 1 Kings uh, 7 through like 11, I believe it is, beautiful temple they built out, right? The Lord worked and brought so much. It was the most glorious thing, right? The Babylonians destroyed it. There were people that were maybe five years old when they went into captivity that knew that temple. They saw it. It's like Disneyland, man. They remembered it, right? They remember the castle. They're like, that's so cool. And then they come and it's like miniature golf castle, right? And you're like, that's not the same thing that we had before. This is such a disappointment. They actually cried out loud, according to Ezra 3. They were weeping over the fact that they're like, this is what we've got so far, this little silly foundation. That's all we have? You can imagine the discouragement. I don't know about you guys. I keep saying I know, but I know you guys because you're just like me. You look at things and say, this is what the Lord has for my life? I thought it was going to be like this thing, right? I don't know. I don't know if you've ever been there. It's how I get sometimes. I'm like, but I imagined the minute we got to Texas, though, like you're calling me, so therefore there's going to be 30,000 people waiting to fill an arena for us, right? That's what it is. Not for me, but for you, Lord. Like, I'm here for you. And you get here and you're like, okay, cool. Snowmageddon hits. And you're like, no one can drive on the streets, right? We got here the week of all that snow, right? First, first Sunday, we had people like bobsledding to our, to our house, basically. No, like, it was insane. But the Lord's good. He brought like seven people the first Sunday in the midst of sto that storm, that snow. And we sat there and the Lord blessed it so much. And it looked nothing like what I thought it would look like, right? If I'm being honest, there were even people in my mind that I'm like, well, I know these people. I, I have family out here. They'll be there. And it was these people that like I met cross paths with 10 years ago that I hadn't talked to in years. It's like, wow, you guys showed up. That's crazy. And they've become this core of the church that the Lord is doing such cool, great things in. And it's not what I imagined, but it's what the Lord had in store. And I'll tell you, you always want what the Lord has in store rather than what you imagined. Amen? Amen. So we do not want to be the one in charge. We don't want to be driving that train. That's no good. <laughs> That's going to lead to destruction. And so these guys are weeping, and the Lord says, here's the deal. I'm with you. Keep working, even though it seems like not a big deal. You know what sometimes seems like not a big deal? Sanctification. I don't know about you guys, but it's really easy to look good at church or look good in public, but then go home and you're like, what's the big deal? Like, who cares if I'm really honoring the Lord here in this place? But according to 1 Thessalonians 4.3, that's literally the Lord's will for our life, our sanctification. If anyone ever asks you, hey, I just don't know, does the Bible tell me what the will of my life is? Go, yeah, 1 Thessalonians 4.3, your sanctification, that's the will of God for your life. And you say, how do I get that? I get sanctified through Christ Jesus, Amen. And it was so important to the Lord that he sent his son to die on a cross to give us that sanctification. And so these little things that seem kind of unimportant to us, they're huge to the Lord. It's literally the will of our life to walk in those things. And so as we walk that out and we seek after him, he's telling him here, look it, I'm with you. And it reminds me of Joshua 1.9. Remember when they were going through into the promised land, they had to cross the Jordan. And the Lord said, be strong, be of good courage, do not fear, do not be afraid, for I am with you wherever you go. But here's the deal, the Lord, it, the Lord is with you wherever you go as long as you're going in his direction. Let's be clear. The Lord's there, like, making sure, I, you know, it's very interesting. When we're out in that permissive will, doing things that we shouldn't be doing, the Lord's there in a sense, right? But to think that we're going to be victorious in those things and blessed in those things apart from the Lord, that's a problem. When we come back into the things the Lord has called us to, he's with us and we can be of good cheer, amen? amen. 
And so look at what, what the Lord encourages them, them, uh, encourages them in, in verse 6. It says, For thus says the Lord a host, Once more it is a little while I will shake heaven and earth, the sea and dry land, and I will shake all nations, and they shall come to the desire of all nations, and I will fill this temple with glory, says the Lord of hosts. And so here we are in Haggai 2, verse 6, and the Lord says, look at what you think is meaningless and like kind of sad. You don't even know. This is all playing into a prophetic picture that is so much bigger than you. <laughs> it's so much bigger because it belongs to my kingdom, the Lord would say, amen. And so you say, well, what's the point of this? What is this section talking about? It's kind of weird, right? It says, once more in a little while, he'll shake heaven and earth, the sea and dry land, shake all the nations that they shall come to the desire of all nations, and he'll have glory in that temple. Commentators are very split on what this verse exactly means, but I'll tell you what I believe this means. Haggai's a prophet, is he not? Yeah. So far, there hasn't really been prophecy in this book until this verse. It would seem that the outlook on this verse is looking to a prophetic time when all the nations are going to say, man, the, the Lord of Israel, the Messiah, he's God. When is that going to happen on this earth? That's happening at a later time. It didn't happen the first time Jesus came. Jesus came the first time. He ruled and reigned over sin and death. But they killed him. Part of the plan. Remember, our sin put him on the cross. We killed Jesus. Let's be clear. But he resurrected. He says, I'm coming again. When he comes again, the end of the tribulation... Right? Amen? Right? I get some people like, yeah, you better go the right way. Okay, so at the end of the tribulation, the Lord comes back, establishes a millennial kingdom, Revelation 19, you can read this, and he's going to establish in Jerusalem, in Israel, he's going to establish this rule and reign, and all the nations will have to, at the, at the festival of tabernacles, the thing they're celebrating, they'll have to come and bring the Lord silver and gold and sacrifices un, in worship unto King Jesus. Amen? And see, it says that he's the desire of all nations. Some nations don't know they desire Jesus, but they do. They don't know it yet. Every human desires Jesus. They don't know it yet. And sadly, some won't discover it until they have to stand before the Lord Jesus. This tonight is why we have to be certain. Anyone in this room, I know some of you guys, but I don't know all you guys. If you do not know Lord, the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, as your personal Lord and Savior, you need to handle that tonight. The time is short. And he says, in a little while, I'm going to do this. <laughs> I think that's great. He's like, in a little while. It's been a long while since it's been written. It's a really little while till the Lord's going to do this again. <laughs> I don't know how long, but I'm ready. Let's go. Like, Lord, take us home and then do all this stuff, right? But if you don't know the Lord, that's a scary statement. For us, we already desire Jesus. And we're happy to be with him. We're happy to see him. We're going to rule and reign with him, amen? amen. But... For those that don't know him, that's a scary. I used to be there. My parents, I was raised in the church, right? The rapture's the last thing I needed happening, right? I'm like, no, no, no. Don't come back now. Come back Sunday morning when I'm at youth group. Don't come back any other time during the week, Lord, right? And it's like, no, let's get right. Let's return to the Lord and worship him because, man, he's going to do great things. And this temple that the people are building is going to prove to everyone that the God of Israel is alive and well. Because think about this. Here's the reality of it. You have 42,000 Jews returning back to, to Israel to rebuild the temple. They have no supplies because they wasted it all on their own shiplap, right? They don't know what they're doing. They have to go up to the mountains, get the stuff, and somehow they're going to actually successfully build a temple and it takes them four years. That's the crazy thing to me. Procrastination, right? They could have built this temple four times over in the time they waited. And I don't know about you guys, but tonight, if the Lord's putting something on your heart, do it now. 
as the Lord leads. Don't just go be reckless, but if the Lord has put a work of his kingdom on your heart, do it now. Because you're going to look back and say, man, I could have done that four times over. I should have just answered the Lord when he called me. And see, they're, they're going, man, let's, let's do it. Let's build this thing because this is part of a bigger picture now. They see that the Lord's going to get glory in it. Amen. Look at 8 and 9. This is where we finish tonight. It says, The silver is mine and the glory is mine, says the Lord of hosts. The glory of this latter temple shall be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts. And in this place, I will give peace, says the Lord of hosts. That's a beautiful section of scripture. Because what the Lord is saying is, you don't even know how we're going to build this temple. <laughs> You're saying, where are we going to get silver and gold from? We're coming back to ruins. We're coming back to a place that we haven't been in in 70 years. And you know what's crazy about this? Is that King Darius in Ezra 6, he gave back all the gold and silver that Nebuchadnezzar stole and put in his own like storage, right? He says, you can have this back for your temple. That's crazy. The Lord's working in the heart of all these other countries. Because guess who's in control of everyone? The Lord. They may not know it. They may not acknowledge it. But the Lord's in control. And then, years down the road, Herod. Herod redid the whole temple and covered it in gold. They said so much that when the sun came up in the morning, it would be glaring. It would blind you if you looked at the roof of the temple because it was so shiny and glaring. <laughs> so the Lord's like, I'm going to use all these Gentile pagan people to get involved in blessing this thing. And you'll be like, how did we do this? We didn't have any of this. We were so worried about where and when these supplies would come. And the Lord says, don't worry about it. Silver and gold's mine. How awesome is that? He owns the cattle on what, a thousand hills, right? Yeah. So it's like he has it all. And also, it's so cool because the silver and gold doesn't belong to the people. It belongs to God. They can't boast in it. Again, I can't explain how the Lord takes care of his people, but he does. And he always makes it happen. I don't care what country. You can be in, the, in China, in the church in China right now, and there's a joy and rejoicing in King Jesus for the minimal, like the minimal things they need, the Lord provides. And yet here, living the American dream for all of us, we still have the things we say we need, and the Lord takes care of it, right? There's this system that the Lord knows. He says, I'm going to take care of the things you need to live where you live as long as you serve me. But don't go making your kingdom the main kingdom. You serve me first, and everything else falls in place. And verse 9, that's the big verse. He says, the glory of this latter temple shall be greater than the former. That's an insane statement. The temple of Solomon was the most incredible thing that, that, that had ever been known by the Jews. <laughs> They're like, this is like, remember the Queen of Sheba came in, in 1 Kings 10? She shows up and she says, I came here because I heard that this was glorious. This isn't even half of what I heard. Queen of Sheba was very rich. <laughs> She's like, this is nuts. And she glorified God in it. She said, the only way that it could be this glorious is because there's a real God that's behind you involved in it. And she worshiped the Lord in it. And so for us, when we trust the Lord and say, look, this thing might seem small, whatever we're doing. This is where it comes back to my little personal application, so roll with me on it, okay? We come out to Calvary Chapel McKinney, and it's funny, the first three months, I don't even have a church name because it's our living room. It's like, what do we call it? You know, it's like, that's weird. How do you, I'm a branding guy. Again, how do you brand this on like social media? And during COVID, hey guys, strangers, come to a stranger's house, hang out with me, right? You're like, that's weird. No, I don't want to go to your house. There's a real church down the street, right? You're like, I don't know how to do this. This is weird. And that's a tough thing, right? It's so funny. I laugh at it now because I'm like, I don't know. All right. And then you'd have people call. You know, a friend of mine built a website. I know nothing about websites. I can create the graphics, but not build websites. A friend of mine says, dude, I want to build a website for you. 
And I have people calling because they find the number and they say, hey, I heard a guy named Jack Hibbs on the radio. <laughs> and I'm like, hey, this ain't Jack Hibbs Church, dude. We're in a living room, right? Like, bear, bear with yourself. And, and even in those statements, I'm saying things like, look at the glory of this temple I'm in right now. It's kind of small, right? And then those people come. We have some new believers at our church right now, and we're just watching them grow immensely through the simple teaching of the Word of God. We're working through the Gospel of Luke right now. Week by week, verse by verse, we're at chapter 12. Go figure, 24 weeks in, sorry. It's like that's the pastor's problem, right? It's like half chapters, but so much goodness in there. And we're watching people grow, and honestly, although it did not match what I imagined in my head, because I knew, forgive me for this term, but I knew big church, right? There's, there's multiple services. There's planning center. You've got to schedule people, and you've got to rehearse, and you've got to have all these different things. And the Lord just... I mean, I had plans for like a women's study, men's study, this, that, and it just went like this. It was like, you just do this. Just get there and teach the word. There are weeks where one pe person showed up. There's been weeks where 48 people showed up. That's a huge thing to us, right? Like our house is crowded with 48 people. And we're like, how does that happen? These are small things compared to the things I was maybe involved with before. But they're more glorious because they're new things in the Lord. See, Every new thing in the Lord the Lord is calling you to, they're more glorious, and hear me out on this. Maybe not to our eye, maybe not on a physical level, but there's new lessons. There's new trust that's built in every new work that we walk in in the Lord. Amen? Amen. I don't know how long this work goes. I don't know if this is my next, I've done this too many times. It's 30 years. We're going to do this for the next 30 years. I don't know. <laughs> I've learned to be open-handed on the things of the Lord, right? Close-handed with doctrine, with scripture, open-handed on what the Lord may have next. But it is so exciting to say, I don't know what's next, but I know what I'm supposed to do today. I build the house of the Lord. And so I'll tell you, if you guys could just keep us in prayer as we continue to just like, we're praying about like what to do with building wise. Like, you know, Lord willing, we get to stay and just do it in my house. I love to commute. <laughs> I love to wake up in my bedroom and go, oh, I got to go to church. Two minute, two minute alarm clock, walk into the living room. Right, hey guys, let's go, right? That's cool. I don't miss waking up at 6 a.m. for big church stuff, right? But in all seriousness, it's one of those things where it's like, this is a fun season, and it's so cool. We just get to have question and answer at the end of studies. We get to watch people grow, and the Lord had an intention for us to be out here, and he knew the people, people that were out of fellowship, people that had just moved here, people that knew us from 10 years ago or five years ago, and they happened coincidentally to move right in our neighborhood. Again, no, no address, and I just show up, and I'm like, oh my gosh, we're all here in the same area. And the Lord's just moving. And you guys know this because you're part of a church. You know how the Lord takes care of his flock, amen? He purchased it with his own blood, we're told, in the, in, in, the, in, the, in the Bible, right? It's an exciting thing. But that said, let me do two things. I want to close us out in prayer, and let's do that first. But I will do this. If anyone here tonight, first of all, if you have not given your life to Jesus Christ, you need to do so now. This is the night. Today is the day of salvation, Amen. But let me be silly for a second. It's the midweek. That means you guys are the lifeblood of the church. <laughs> I feel like the prayer right now is you need a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit because you're called to things that you're like, man, I'm tired. <laughs> I'm exhausted. I need help. We need physical help and we need more people. We need more room. We need a different building. I don't know. Whatever the Lord, whatever those stresses are, I'm going to do this. Whatever that thing is for you. We're going to pray a general prayer that the Lord would fill you again, fresh and new tonight with his Holy Spirit. Amen? Because he says he's willing to give it and he's with us. So let's pray and then we'll go from there.